1: With 60 minutes to go of the summer transfer window, the headline has to be that the return of Cristiano Ronaldo is official. One of the greatest footballers of all time will once again grace the Premier League. Elsewhere today, Chelsea have agreed to sign the Atletico Madrid midfielder Saul. It is a loan with an option to buy as Roman Abramovich is about to splash the cash again. West Ham United needs some help for Mikhail Antonio, so they've signed Nikola Vlasic from CSKA Moscow for up to $46 million. The attacker made 12 Premier League appearances for Everton just a few years ago. And Daniel James has a new home. The Wales International has been sold by Manchester United to Leeds United for up to $41 million. James just wasn't getting a look in at Old Trafford, so today he has headed to Ellen Road for a fresh start. Those are the headlines. What else has happened today? Tottenham have got themselves a new right-back. Emerson Royale has come in from Barcelona for nearly $30 million. Leicester have brought in Adamola ola who last season was on loan at Fulham, who got relegated. This season, he's going to be at the KP, on loan from RB Leipzig. Arsenal have reportedly reached a deal for Bologna defender Takahiro Tomiyasu. Celtic have sold on Edouard. He's gone to Crystal Palace for up to $25.5 million. He's a striker. And Moise Keane has returned to Juventus. Two-year loan with an obligation to buy. And, of course, he's gone there from Everton, where he just really couldn't find his feet. Good afternoon. Good evening. I'm Rebecca Lowe. This is your Transfer Day special. Robbie Musto. Robbie Earl. Tim Howard, we are here for you for the next three hours. No matter what happens, we will bring you the news. I'm going to get handed sheets. I'm going to be told things in my ear. Anything happens, we will bring it to you straight away. We're also going to talk about all 20 clubs. How did their summers go? How did their windows go? How did today go for each of those 20 clubs? We're going to be joined by our Premier League insider, David Ornstein, as well, live from the Sky Studios in London. So plenty to get on with. We are going to begin, though, Robbie Mm. with your... Take away from today, from what I've just said at the top of the show, what's your headline?
2: We're nearing the end of the most compelling, the most dramatic transfer window I can remember in Premier League history. And I think it's going to lead us to the most compelling title race we've had for many years. These four legitimate teams, Rebecca, this season, who at this stage believe they can win, win the title. We've broke the British transfer re- record. One team signed one of the greatest players, arguably the most famous players in the world... And it almost feels to me as though business has been done all through the league. You know, normally we hear, oh, this player's been mentioned and then it goes away. This year, this player's been mentioned and the job's been done. The super agents this year have been in super form. Maybe apart from Harry Kane, most deals that we heard about have got finished.
1: We will talk. About Harry mm-hmm. Kane, uh, just <clears throat> not quite yet. Tim Howard, today mm-hmm. it's been a busy day. What's so stood out for you?
3: Well, on that point, it, this chess match that has happened at the top of the, the Premier League—you know—it started for me with Lukaku going to Chelsea, and then every every other team—Man United, Man City—they thought we have to we have to counter this move, and so it was about Harry Kane for for Man City, and then it was oh my gosh, it's Ronaldo, and United thought we got he can't go to City, we got to get in here, and then they got his man. So. For me, it was compelling simply because I've never seen the amount of teams at the top saying having to counter move after move, day after day, and it just carried through the whole summer. Then, of course, as you mentioned, we'll get to Harry Kane. That just completely went away, which was shocking to all of us.
1: Harry Kane has spoken today. He's on England duty, and he spoke to a radio station in the UK. We're going to bring you those quotes shortly. Robbie, your take from today?
4: Well, I'll take it more recently and just Today? I mean, I think, of course, the, the top boys have grabbed the headlines of some of the signings that's come into the club. But today, it looks like, not officially yet on some of these, that Chelsea are going uh, to add Seoul. But the ones below, so Arsenal have added, West Ham have added two, uh, Spurs, again, have added a right full-back as well. So it's not just about the top Palace, four, yeah. it's the, the ones just below that and Palace, and like through yeah. the league, have all added. So, listen, we know it's been difficult times with COVID and we're lucky enough to work on and our viewers are lucky enough to see this league. There's been a lot of money spent mm. where other leagues haven't been fortunate enough to do that. So I think that's kind of the, the thing for me is that today
2: I'm making a more, as many notes today than I've ever made on the actual day. So today, the, the deadline well, day. The thought so? that everybody would just keep the, the purse rings tight, that we wouldn't be spending this summer, we'll wait
3: for next year, we'll wait for fans to come back. It's been nothing of the well, sort. It's, been, it's yeah. been interesting in terms of all the other leagues feeling like they have to sell. The champions of, of Italy, Inter Milan, had to sell all their players, mm. and yet the Premier League continue to buy. So it just shows yeah. how strong the Premier League is. Yeah.
1: Just a little reminder of who will be arriving at Old Trafford. Of course, he started at Sporting Lisbon, came to United, went to Real Madrid, went to Juventus, and now he's back at Old Trafford. He's picked up along the way just the 18 major club trophies, just the five Champions League titles, three Premier League titles, won the Euros in 2016 with Portugal, five Ballon d'Ors, a couple of Premier League player of the seasons. And how about the goal, Tali? 783 goals in just over 1,000 appearances. And finally, because it was made official today, he went to Instagram, wrote actually very emotional and quite long message. This is the second half. He said, back at United, where my first domestic league, my first cup, my first call up to the Portuguese national team came, my first Champions League, my first Golden Boot and my first Ballon d'Or. They were all born, he says, from this special connection between me and the Red Devils. History has been written in the past and history will be written once again. You have my word, he says. I'm right here. I'm back where I belong. Let's make it happen once again. P.S. Sir Alex... This one is for you. <laughs> a really lovely end to that Instagram note. And joining us now live from London, I mentioned at the top of the show, and David will join us all, se- all season all season long and all programme long <laughs> as well. David Onstein, our Premier League insider. A really lovely note there from Cristiano Ronaldo. And we know that Sir Alex Ferguson had a part to play, had a role to play in this transfer. But David, you're on the inside. Tell us how this all came to pass. Give us the Cristiano Ronaldo lowdown.
5: Rebecca, guys, hello. What a day it's been. You were making me dizzy reeling off those accolades. It's pretty spine-tingling as well, so let me take you back through a little bit of the story. George Mendes, Cristiano Ronaldo's agent, was essentially shopping around for a club for his client because he wanted to leave Juventus this summer. He was knocking on the door of Manchester United, Manchester City, Paris Saint-Germain. None of them responded. Manchester United would have liked to have bought Cristiano Ronaldo back to... Old Trafford in the summer of 2022 at the age of 37 as a free agent but then came the twist Manchester City had been tracking Harry Kane as their priority all summer when that finally came to an end they decided to look for other opportunities the main opportunity was Cristiano Ronaldo they have a great relationship themselves with Mendes and they embarked upon striking a deal. They pretty much agreed a salary which was around fifteen to twenty million euros after tax per year, uh, a big drop on what he was earning at Juventus. He spoke to Pep Guardiola, he seemed to be really attracted to the idea of winning the Champions League with Manchester City, but crucially, Manchester City would have had to get a big player out of the club, and there were no excuse me significant offers, and when their interest was Public, it alerted Manchester United. They then came in. And I live in that local area. I can tell you that nobody who is of the red persuasion would have been happy with that at all. It was inconceivable for them that he would join Manchester City. And that's when they made their move. Manchester City's view is that ultimately they turned him down, but everybody has a different version of events in this. The likes of Sir Alex Ferguson, Rio Ferdinand, Darren Fletcher, Patrice Evra were begging this guy to rejoin them. I started to get wind on Thursday night that Manchester United were coming to the fore, and by Friday morning, that was gathering pace. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer went into his press conference, and he knew at that point that Ronaldo was on his way. So they struck a deal very quickly. It shocked a lot of people. The money is a crucial factor here. A good deal in terms of the transfer fee, £15 million plus add-ons of about £8 million, low. But salary high, around 25 million Euro- pounds after tax per year, actually, sorry, euros, plus another 5 million in add-ons that takes him up to the sort of levels that Lionel Messi is earning at PSG, almost a million euros per week. But Manchester United will think it's money well spent. Ed Woodward, uh, their executive vice chairman, uh, he's essentially their chief executive, he executed this deal Quite spectacularly, with the backing of the Glazer family, the owners, Manchester United showed they still have what they describe as a unique pull, attraction for top players. They've added him as an opportunity that was not their priority. Jaden Sancho, Varane and then Ronaldo. They've got their man and they're delighted.
1: David, thank you. Those are the details. That's the kind of juice we want. So that's what has happened, yep. Tim. We talked about it all weekend. What is going to happen in walks Ronaldo mm-hmm. after the international break into a, a dressing room of superstars? Talk us through how that goes down.
3: Well, you know, let's start there. Sir Alex, this one's for you. That that spoke volumes for me because we keep talking about, United fans keep talking about when can we return to the glory years? Ollie Gunner, can Ollie Gunnar do that? He was a disciple of Sir Alex Ferguson. This man, Cristiano Ronaldo and Sir Alex Ferguson, are very tight. And when he walks into the dressing room, it will be nothing short of seeing a god. And I, I wonder, I, I question whether, if, if we talk about Maynard's two best players, Pogba and Fernandes, we've seen the connection they have, not both, both on the field and scoring, but also the celebrations and the dancing. They're tight. They're thick as thieves. When Ronaldo walks in, Fernandes' Portugal teammate, I think he's going to gravitate naturally towards Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, it's almost like a, like a high school cafeteria, you know, and, and who's sitting with who. And and I just wonder, does that upset Paul Pogba? because he, we know he's, a, he's a, a World Cup winner, big ego. And so which way does he go with this? Does he try and butt heads with Cristiano Ronaldo? Because that's not going to work. Or is he going to get on board because there's a winner in the room?
1: Well, I suppose this comes down to how he's... Managed, how he and they are managed by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer.
3: Absolutely
4: right, and that's what's fascinating about it. I mean, this is a team of superstars. This is Galactico's Mm -hmm. squad. When you look at the attacking talent of this this team now, it's like, wow, Mm -hmm. in all areas from left to to number 10s to right to centre forward options, different types of players. Ronaldo's going to do it, he's going to score a ton of goals. Mm -hmm. Chelsea have just paid 100 million pounds or whatever it was in dollars, 135 million dollars for the second top goal scorer in Italy. Mm-hmm. United have got the top goal scorer. Mm-hmm. This guy won the golden boot in the Euros, the 2020 Euros, and they were knocked out in the round of 16. I mean, it's super exciting for the fans. The only thing I would say is, going back to your question, Rebecca, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you've got to manage it. You've got to be strong. You've got to pick certain players one week. You've got to leave them on the bench the next week. What about when you leave Ronaldo on the bench? Are you going to be happy about that? I don't think so. Are you going to be okay with that? Is he going to kick up a fuss? Is he going to be miserable? Mason Greenwood, does his his development now get slightly pushed to the side? Maybe he can play on the right-hand side. It's so many questions as well, given those characters and those
2: personalities and how he manages. Now we're going to find out, Robbie O. It's interesting because our great ladyship here every week for the last 18 months has said to me, is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer good enough? I do have manage?
1: other questions. I just yeah, do ask that Yeah, but you do like this <laughs> one on a
2: regular basis. And I've always said we can't really judge him until he's been given the full complement of squad, the full complement of team, and then we will find out, hey-ho, here we are. Mm-hmm. This team, as Robbie says, it's category players everywhere you want, It's title-ready wherever you want. The toolbox is full. Oli, knock yourself out. Now you've got to show us over 38 games that you can do the things that Robbie said, that if a little bit goes on in the dressing room, can you handle it? Can you manage it? Can you do the tactics? Can you make sure Greenwood's development happens as long as Ronaldo's goals? Can you do all those things? One thing that stood out to me, and it's a a little piece of class that I think tells me that Ronaldo's in it for the good reason, the line to Sir Alex Ferguson Mm. tells me... This guy's a class act. And he hasn't come in here to mess around. He's not come here... I think he'll take Mason Greenwood and say, I'm going to develop you into the best English centre forward in the league. Watch me. Study me. Come in at training with me and all those Mm -hmm. things.
1: OK, so you say his toolbox is full. Arguably, it's overflowing. Before we came on air, I had to stop these chaps from having the conversation that we're having now because they were just getting into it off the air about how he fits into the team. So you've got Greenwood, you've got Rashford, you've got... Uh, we well, you haven't got Daniel James anymore. You've got Jadon Sancho, big money. You've got Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. How, who plays?
3: Well, Ronaldo plays. And then, and then you know, it's, it's at that point, whoever is, is playing the best. Look, I, what I will say about that is... He is selfish in the best possible way. Mm. He's come here knowing that Lionel Messi, who, again, is his massive rival, has gone to PSG, still going to want to win the scoring title, still going to win the league, still going to want to win Champions League. So he is ready.
2: He plays. For me, Sancho plays. You don't play $100 million for somebody Mm. and not play them. Rashford and Greenwood at times rotate a position. Just in midfield, where's Pogba going to play then? Pogba's Pogba, got to play somewhere. Pogba it,
4: plays... As, in as middle as a, midfield? In a middle of midfield. Okay. Okay. but he's, he's, he's just not been trusted in there
2: many times by the manager.
4: And is
3: he going to be happy because right now he's playing much further kind of the pitch, him on the left, and things are going very well. Yeah. But there's tons of competition. That's
2: the bit where maybe Pogba has to give a little I agree bit with you. I agree to with you. get a little <laughs> bit and, and that's what's going to happen Penny, in that dressing really,
3: mean. room. Yeah.
1: So Harry Kane spoke today to Faker Carruthers, the England correspondent uh, at Talk Sport in the UK from the England camp, and he was asked by her about the situation, of course, over the summer. It's the first time he's spoken. He said, I know there was a lot of noise surrounding me, he said, but I was quite calm. I knew what the situation was between me and the club, and that's the way it will stay. When asked if he fears the transfer saga has tarnished his reputation, Kane added, no, I don't think so. I think anyone involved in the football industry knows the ins and outs. When you're in it and you know the truth... Your conscience is clear. Let's take you back to London, to David Ornstein, our Premier League insider. So, what happened with Harry Kane, David?
5: (laughs) Where to begin, Rebecca? Let's take this back to the end of last season when Harry Kane made pretty clear his desire to go. In fact, he always thought he was going to go this summer because he believed, Rebecca, that he had a verbal agreement with Daniel Levy, the Tottenham chairman, that he could go if a respectable offer arrived. But you don't do verbal agreements with Daniel Levy. And you could say that was misguided by his representatives, who are his family, his father and his brother. Uh, There have been agents involved in the past, but they essentially oversaw the signing of a new six-year contract in 2018 with no release clause. And that was absolutely crucial because it meant Daniel Levy didn't need to accept anything. There was a suggestion here that he might have wanted 150, 160 million pounds, but he never said that. Sources have told me that if he was ever going to consider selling Harry Kane, it would be to an overseas club. If it had been to an English club, it would be more towards £200 million. Manchester City were prepared to go big for him. They would have paid a maximum, in my understanding, of £100 million, plus around £20-25 million in add-ons. But negotiations never opened because that was not tempting enough for Daniel Levy. Now, Manchester City's plan was to bring in Harry Kane first, and then Jack Grealish, and the Grealish deal would have required somebody to leave the club. However... Grealish's advisers managed to get that deal snuck in straight after the Euros before Kane's had even got anywhere near getting off the ground. And that meant not only would they need to go big for Kane, but they would need to get rid of a player as well. And as the deadline l- line loomed, it just sort of slipped out of sight for Manchester City. Tottenham were completely relaxed. Daniel Levy had all the power. He held the aces. And ultimately, it was a deal that just wasn't meant to be. Now, we can mull over this as much as we want, but one of the key things, as my understanding, is that Manchester City made pretty clear to Harry Kane that this is your summer. It's now that you need to get the move. Go to Daniel Levy and find some sort of agreement, and then we'll come in with the money. They won't be back in 2022, is my understanding. Harry Kane has, in the last few weeks, we've reported, rejected a new contract approach from Tottenham. He may still have his sights on a big move when there's more teams at the table in 2022. But he'll be 29 years old. He'll have two years left on his contract. Then if he scores goals, he'll be confident the Spurs fans have welcomed him back in. They're already singing his name.
1: David, thank you. Goodness me. Fascinating mm-hmm. stuff. Robbie Mussel, I'll come to you in mm. just a second, but there could be some movement out of Spurs. Uh, reports are that Spurs and Serge Aurier, the fullback, are in talks over mutual termination of his contract. That has just come into us here. As you know, anything that comes in, we will let you know over the course of the next couple of hours. Um, you feel bad for Harry Kane, don't you?
4: I do. I think he's been let down by his advisers, agents, whatever you want to call them. I think he's been let down by Daniel Levy. Great information from David there. All the kind of the facts that we all know about. Um, Just quickly, he signed a long-term contract to protect the football club Spurs that when he did go, they'd get all the money that they could get for him. So that part he did for them. Um, I think when you think of... Uh, there was talk about him going for the last two years, by the way, and then I remember we talked about it on the set here about, well, I think he's going to stay for the stadium, he stayed through the new stadium, and then there was talk about him going, and then, well, no, Jose Mourinho's a new manager, I'll stay through him, so he's done, he's done these, these things, and then he said, you know what, if we're not challenging for, for the title or in the Champions League, then, and this was the agreement comes in, then I think, you know, reasonable offer, as David said, I can go. Reasonable offer. So this is the last part of it. So everything else has kind of been... He's ticked the boxes to do this. Mm. Reasonable offer. So, as David said, 100, 120000000 million, I'd say, is a reasonable offer. Mm. Lukaku, similar player, similar age, similar numbers, less money. I don't see anybody else wanting to pay $120 million for Harry Kane, so it was a fair offer. And still, Daniel Levy said, no, you're not going anywhere. I feel bad for Harry Kane. It, listen, he might go in January. I doubt it. It's a shame, Rebecca, because... A top-class player is probably not going to go on and win the titles that his talent deserves. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad. And, uh, listen, it wasn't handled well. And the, the, the clause, of course, was, was overrides. So everything I've just said, I
2: still feel bad for him. Rob? I don't feel bad <laughs> for him, uh, which is juxtaposition for us, to usually. He wants data, in fact, the data, in fact. I, I'll go down the road that Robbie Musto's gone. My biggest player, my best player, my England captain, signs a six-year contract that secures him as well as us, that didn't uh, I don't, I not need to be secured. That I don't want to sell. I don't want to sell him. He doesn't get a buyout clause, and we have a conversation. That I say, well, if somebody comes in, Harry, well, we'll talk about it. He runs off and says, I've got a gentleman's agreement. Mm. It's an interpretation of what is a gentleman's agreement. Harry Kane has, is at fault for not doing his contract properly. If he does his contract properly, like Jack Grealish, he gets his move. Mm. And if every big club comes in and flexes financial muscle and goes, here's some money discounted for a player who's my England captain who's a three times golden boot winner he's not discounted he, nobody else is coming for well, him how how do you know what the nobody price else is coming yeah, well, for him how do you know what i want for him i, I want 150 you have offered me no, nobody's co- only city are yeah, prepared I, to pay 120 nobody else is not going to score his so it not, was a fair his price his contracts not up and i don't want to sell him and i want 150 million you offer me 120 or, uh, do I have to, I, I have was, to take was 120? Was not the whole club had, uh, uh, kind of had the opinion that it's probably the right
4: for him I mean, to move on? I mean, the I mean, fans accepted it. Everybody accepted it. It's accepted probably the right it. for him to move on. It's, it's like great
2: players, Rob, moved on in the past. Great players don't Correct. stay at one club's... And they, have, they do their business properly. There'll be young Spurs fans who've got Harry Kane on the back who will be saying when he's left, why's he gone, Dad?
3: Well, because uh, Man City, City wants him, and the they, got, they
2: got bigger, bigger pockets, and so he goes. No, that is now football works, Rob. Okay. All right. okay,
1: well he's not gone. He's staying this summer anyway. Mm. Uh, for now. So now what? I mean, well, now what for the future, Tim? Well, I don't know. Must you make a great point?
3: Look, I, I will say this: I've never backed out of a gentleman's agreement in my life. No. But, but he signed a contract, mm. and then that, by signing that contract, mm. you, leave all, you leave everything up to Daniel Levy. Simple as that. Yeah. So. I, but I also agree with you. What happens to him? Like, he's a depreciating asset. He'll be a I year know. older That's next it was it was a year. Big, it was a big, and for a I big look, price. And I look at that and I just think he, he may not get to a bigger club unless they're willing to pay a massive fee or he's a make-weight at some point in a couple of years for a top club and he doesn't play every. day. Don't you but feel bad for him, The biggest and wrong?
2: best players get the biggest and best agents. And they uh, get We agree on that. Well. Cristiano let him moved down. at 36 yes. years of age. Yes. Harry Kane has got to look himself in the, in the face. But don't you feel bad for him in any way, a little bit? Of course, I feel bad for him that he is not playing for those things. But I also feel that Spurs and Daniel Levy has a job to do for Tottenham Hotspur, Hotspur, and he's done that job.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
1: Let's focus on Manchester City then. Out today on loan has gone Tommy Doyle. Other than that, they've done nothing all summer except for Scott Carson and... Jack Grealish, $135 million. So for the full story behind what was quite a quick and seemingly from the outside, David, simple-looking transaction, what really happened? How did they get Jack Grealish?
5: It was a record deal, the first ever £100 million deal, Rebecca, in Premier League football. It was executed to perfection from all parties, I would say. Manchester City always had their eye on Jack Grealish. Uh, They weren't allowed to know there was a release clause, which is very different to what you see in the USA. Jack Grealish and Aston Villa knew it was in the contract that he signed a year earlier. And so that made things a little bit awkward because Manchester City came in with a bit of £100 million, But they weren't allowed to force the issue, and Aston Villa weren't responding to it. Now, this was a unique transfer in that the negotiations took place at ownership-to-ownership level, and that is virtually unheard of. They got to a good place, but still Villa were reluctant, and there was a point at which Jack Grealish was going to have to say to Aston Villa... You need to accept this. I know there's a bid coming for me. And if not, we might have to take this legal, which nobody wanted to do, from any side of this. And so they played ball and eventually Aston Villa agreed to let him go. But not until he had trained with Aston Villa, he had to get changed, go out by the side of the pitch and then finally travel to Manchester. He was surprised with the number 10 shirt. He wanted a different number, Paul Gascoigne's number 19 shirt. And he's going to be paid a huge amount of money, £300,000 a week and Manchester City see him as a star of the future.
1: David, thank you very much. Back with over very soon. Quick line for you, Arsenal fans. We'll be interested to know that Hector Bellerin has joined Real Betis on loan. Uh, apparently he's taking a pay cut to head to Spain, trying to get his career back on track. Manchester City then didn't get Harry Kane, got their Grealish, so no striker. Concerned?
2: Um, not really, because they got manager Rebecca who won the title last year, and you're adding Jack Grealish to that group. So I don't think concerned. What I do think with Pep... And he's almost like this mad professor. And he'll go in his tactics lab and he'll work a system and he'll find a way of creating goals. Now, last season, I think 83 goals Manchester City won won the the title with. They're going to need more than that this season, between 90 and 100. And they're going to have to come through midfield players and wide players. Ferran Torres has had an interestingly good start to the season, as has Gabriel Jesus. And I just wonder if the... The no Aguero, the, the no Kane in the place might allow somebody else to, to come good, to become that guy who's not an out-and-out centre-forward, but in the false nine, in a pep kind of system, can get them the goals that
3: they'll need.
1: So they couldn't get Kane. Other options, maybe Robert Lewandowski, Haaland maybe, but he doesn't really tend to buy the likes of Lewandowski, does he? So what do you think about the striker situation, Tim?
3: Well, I, look, I think they're in a great a great position to win the title. Do I think they will? No, because I think Chelsea have gone out and, and gotten Lukaku, and that's the real marker. But Pep's going to play without, without a, a true number nine. Jack Grealish is a brilliant buy. I think he's got pizzazz. I think he's tough. He's a tricky winger who's willing to go nose-to-nose with you. We don't see a lot of those. But as you, as you said, Earlster, you know, Gundogan's going to have to have another brilliant season in terms of goal scoring from the midfield. Raheem Sterling's going to have to come up with the goals. <laughs> Look, I think they'll go close, but I do, I do definitely think Kane was the one they needed. Do you think
2: lack of goals will be the
3: problem. Do you think that will stop them? Well, you said they're going to need a lot of goals, mm. simply because I think, I do think Chelsea are going to outscore yeah. everybody. So, in the end, yes, mm. probably just, out, just be the lack of mm. goals.
1: It's interesting, Robbie, because they wanted Kane. They, wanted, they really yep. did want him. They wanted yep. a striker, yep. and they've ended up without one. Right. So, uh, there has to be a concern.
4: Yes, I'm, I, I would be concerned about it, mm. given what the others have done in the market. Look at all the other clubs in that top four now. They've got legit centre-forwards, and I think this season, more than any other, is probably going to be decided with games amongst themselves. And I think defensively the teams are stronger too. Are they going to come out on top City with a little mini-league of the other three players? Is Ferran mm-hmm. Torres going to go against Van Dijk and, and uh, Varane and everybody else that, that have strengthened up? So I think it will hurt them. And I don't think they'll win a title because of that. I think if Kane signed for City, I think we're all probably going to tip them to win it. But I think given what everybody else is doing, and you have to consider that, I don't think the firepower... Gundogan, another 13 goals, top goal scorer... Maybe. But, I
2: just don't Pepper's think, I the think they're going to need more. And I do hear your point, but Peppers, a manager, will still believe he <laughs> can work a system yes. and a way of playing... He's get got the no choice to, to believe. He's got to, which, he's got to which believe he's done it? last season, which he's done already. But the point is, it's different, yeah. isn't it? I yeah. think this oh, season is the different. The stakes are higher, So
4: yeah. I,
3: if he can do it this year, that's mm. like, wow, well done, mm. given the strikers on the other teams. But your, but your point your point is well taken. Mm. More so this year, the top teams are going to take points off of each other. I don't think anyone's going to run away with it and Chelsea's going to beat everybody. Or I mean, they're really going to take points off each other. It's going to be important to score goals. Mm.
1: Romelu Lukaku in for 135 million dollars, and he is already off the mark and scoring back in the blue of Chelsea. Let's take you back live to the Sky Studios in West London, and our Premier League insider David Ornstein. So they got Romelu Lukaku. David, was he their first choice?
5: Well, listen, I'm going to praise Chelsea's recruitment operation until the cows come home. Roman Abramovich at the top, Marina Granovskaya, the director there are not many better in the industry. But their initial hope this summer was to go for Erling Haaland of Borussia Dortmund. That just wasn't going to be possible. Dortmund don't want to sell until his release clause of around 75 million euros comes into effect in the summer of 2022. So Chelsea, as they do, they turn straight to their next target and they got it done. Romelu Lukaku, almost 100 million pounds, He had unfinished business at Chelsea, of course, because he left a decade earlier and they were the club he supported as a boy. He always wanted to come back and finish that story, but it wasn't easy. Inter Milan, despite their very difficult financial situation tried as they might to hold on to him. He said he was happy to stay, but if they were going to do business, then it was Chelsea he wanted to go to. Now, his agent, Federico Pastorella, has a very close relationship with Marina Granovskaya. They've done a lot of business together. They get on well. And that sort of greased the wheels a little bit. He started talking to players at Chelsea. He knows. He was excited about the challenge once he knew Inter were ready to cash in. And the deal, very swiftly... Got done. He hit the ground running, immediately scoring at Arsenal on his debut. I think this is an amazing signing that will help push Chelsea onto even more major honours. They're a winning machine. They didn't manage to get the other target, Jules Koundé, before the deadline, but they have got Saul Niguez by the looks of it. So, a good window for Chelsea.
1: Indeed. Saul should be arriving at Chelsea. We're waiting for confirmation uh, on loan with an option to buy from Atletico Madrid. He's a midfielder. Um, (coughs) Harland would have been out of this world. But Lukaku's not a bad plan B.
4: Well, hes I mean, the mentality that he brings, the leadership that he brings, and that he's so different. That's what I like about it, Rebecca. And I think in the Premier League, I think that physicality, that winning mentality that he's got now will help the players around him. You could probably say, arguably, last season... That Charles' attack was a little lightweight. It was a little kind of tippy tappy around the box. They struggled to to create the chances. It's very different now. I've rarely seen a team's attacking play change so much from signing one player. That's what he brings them. He brings others into the game. And just how different he is makes it a fantastic signing. When you could think about how Charles can get better from last year, a different type of striker was a big part of that.
1: I mentioned Marina Granovskaya, yeah. and oh. she doesn't an have to do a good job. And if wow. you certainly look at the players that go out, how they manage to balance yeah. the books, and yet spend 135 million dollars on Lukaku, and it doesn't seem to make a dent.
2: It's ridiculous. I know it's one name on that list, Rebecca. Victor Moses. They still got six million dollars for Victor Moses. <laughs> he's older than me, but you know, and he's, <laughs> and he's still somehow finding money. But I'll go back to the Lukaku thing. And in fairness, I don't think it's a plan B. I think it's a plan A minus. I think they identify. They execute, they get the job done, and they've got the job done in Lukaku. And what I like, as Rob said, is the options that he, give him, that he gives the team, and they can play into him. And he's a bit Didier Drogba like in how he can roll people and, and play with physicality. But the other thing I really like that came out of the game at Liverpool was the incident when um, Salah scored the goal, Henderson went to get the ball, and, the, and Mendy and Henderson had a little bit, and there was a little spat, and there was a little pushing and shoving. And Big Rom come running back and he buffed his chest out and he got his players behind him and he's brought a bit of presence that Rob says, a bit of physicality, a bit of... Listen, you can buy all the players you want, you can great great, great talent, but titles are won sometimes by a bit of spirit, spirit and character. And he's brought an edge to Chelsea that's going to be important for them during the season. Maybe when the football's not going well or maybe when teams try and be physical, you go to Burnley away at Turf Moor and they try and turn it on.
1: Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, absolutely. You played with him yeah. at Everton. And I get the sense that he's wanted to get back to Chelsea yep. for a long time now. What's he like as a person? It feels like he has something to prove to him.
3: Well, he does, and he's a, he's a brilliant teammate. He, you know, uh, he's a diplomatic leader, as, as Tuchel calls him. He speaks a ton of different languages. He, he, he welcomes the guys with open arms. And uh, he, he's a big character. He's a big character. I think on the football pitch, yes, we talk about the goal immediately at, at Arsenal. Here's what he brings. I thought Van Dijk did a great job. At Liverpool, he, he he nullified Lukaku. Didn't have a brilliant game because he was so. What it did was it made, because he pins Van Dyke, even though Van Dyke wins the battle, it brings Matip around, which frees up space for the likes of Mount and Havertz which means Liverpool have to come narrow. Yeah. It opens up space on the, on, in the wide areas for the fullbacks and the wingbacks, and we know Tuchel, he can put a plan together like nobody else, and well, so he's brilliant.
4: Also, what he brings, we haven't seen it too much yet, is the counterattack threat. <laughs> you know, the ball in behind, he's brilliant in making those runs, as well as the the deep balls into his feet. Counterattack is going to be well. Well, Chelsea had
3: the better, they're down a man in the yeah, second, second half, second and we, off, we talked we about it, yeah, they yeah, had the better him. opportunities. Yeah. If not for yeah. a brilliant block from Matip, mm. it's because of the counterattack opportunities, yeah. yeah
1: what is going on, David? Because you can't say that Mikel Arteta's not being backed. He's spending the money and they're bottom of the league.
5: Goodness me, has he been backed to some extent, Rebecca. The sort of money that Arsene Wenger would have loved to have spent when he was in charge, but now is the true test because Mikel Arteta will need to deliver. At the moment, he is not, and that's why he's under pressure. But let's look at these signings. They are young players with high potential. Arsenal will hope that they can help them succeed now or at least get out of the mess that they're in. But this is a long-term project. So when you look at the likes of Aaron Ramsdale, Ben White, Lukonga, Tavares, Odegaard, Tommy Asu, they're all in that 21, 22, 23 age bracket. They're not on massive wages and the transfer fees are not their fault. And those fees have been spread out over a long period. The owners have put their money where their mouths are. They have supported... Mikel Arteta and Edu, the technical director. And I've got to say, they deserve credit. But they will continue to be under scrutiny because Arsenal have high expectations, especially their supporters. And right now they are fighting fires, left, right and centre, on and off the pitch. They've got some unhappy players. One left on loan, Hector Bellerin. Another stayed, Ainsley Maitland-Niles. He has had clear-the-air talks with Mikel Arteta at the club's training ground today. And despite his... Proposed loan move to Everton being denied and him being very upset and taking to Instagram to express that displeasure, those clear-the-air talks have brought a positive resolution. He'll hope to be reintegrated. Mikel Arteta needs to win the next two games after the international break and try and rebuild this. All of this is taking place under the scrutiny of Amazon cameras. They're filming a documentary. It's something that not everybody at Arsenal is happy about. However, they'll have to put up with it. And it's a great story for us to look at as well. But this has been a fascinating summer. And there are so many eyes, not only here in the UK, but all over the world on Arsenal Football Club. It's one to watch.
1: David, thank you very much. Well, more stories as well today coming out of Arsenal. Earlier this morning, David himself screen grabbed this. He's on everything, I tell you. This is the Instagram story of Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who last season was on loan at West Brom. He said this on his story today. All I want to do is go where I'm wanted and where I'm going to play. Three crying emojis tagging in his club, Arsenal. Now, since he put that on Instagram, Maitland-Niles has had clear-the-air talks, apparently, with Mikel Arteta. Mikel Arteta has assured him he is in his plans. This club. Tim, take it away.
3: Uh well, yeah, that this that that there shows me my biggest concern is the lack of discipline and the lack of leadership within that club. Um, clearly, air talks after the fact mean nothing. Not not when there, there continues to be this habit of sending offs and players going against the rules and breaking COVID protocol. Look, I, I, I like the signings they made. I like Tomiyasu. I, I covered him in the Olympics quite a lot. I think he's a really good good defender. I think he's going to do well. I think Ben White's a good defender that they brought in. He needs time. They've had some COVID issues, as I mentioned. They've got a lot of young talent. Smith Rowe, Saka, it's there. But we saw on the weekend, they got beat, and they just went out with a whimper. It was it was so easy. And we talk about, like, it, when we we talk about – Mikel Arteta, in order to buy time, you have to show some sort of progress. Some sort of progress. More discipline, more leadership. Climbing up the table. And with this team, although I like some of the signings, they're very much Arsenal signings to me.
1: OK, so he's been there for nearly two years. Mm-hmm. Would you say there's been any progress?
3: Well, not not a ton. Not a ton because he he won the FA Cup initially, which bought him some time. But, but since, we've seen the same patterns over and over. And it's, it's concerning because there doesn 't seem like there's, there's, there seems to be this disconnect between the players and the management and the staff, and yet, even though we all see it, it never gets addressed publicly
2: It's interesting Rob. that, that uh, Tim says that we haven 't seen progress because I think there's this young talent I think there has been bits of progress, but for me, uh, and I can only talk for, for myself when you 've got a team Rebecca that 's got Class Callum Chambers, Rob Holding, Cedric Suarez, granite Jacker, Bert Leno to a certain degree. And then you can throw the front two in, Aubameyang and Lacazette, who I still don't know if they're good Arsenal players, if they really want to be there and play. So for all those good kids, and there's some good young talent and they bought some good players who are coming in in this window. But everywhere else, Bex, I'm not really sure where they are. I'm scratching my head. And I have to point to, to the Aaron Ramsdale, $41 million for an average Premier League goalkeeper. And Tim, if you want to jump in, jump in. But you've got Bert Leno, who's an average Premier League goalkeeper. Why are you spending another £41 million to get someone who's not going to be your number one and be so much better? He's just going to be probably your number two goalkeeper. Who's just very... well, I think they believe that he will be the number one
3: going I forward. Not he's,
4: 20, well, he's 23... Tim, Tim says I'm, he's just, saying, I'm not saying not like me. OK, I'm just saying that's what their thought yeah. is. He's 23 years of age. They'll feel longer term he's going to be the number one in, in time or whatever.
1: I want to come back to you on Arteta. Aaron Ramsdale.
3: Well, I mean... Robbie also hit the nail on the head. I, I, I don't think Leno is brilliant. I think he's pretty good, but Ramsdale's not even close to that. Not even close to that level. So it's a lot of money. Can not can he improve though? Tim, he's only 23. I'm, and by the way,
2: I agree with you. What we've seen so, him so far, but I'm just saying he's young. My only thing with my only thing with the young backs as well. So my last point on this is that sometimes buy a bit for now. Mm-hmm. I know we're talking about the process and the time. Wendy went, went from Norwich to Villa when Arsenal were in for him. Jesse Lingard's available now. Go and bring him in. James Tarkowski's at Burnley. Go and get a centre-half We'll yeah. go ahead of ball. Go and get some people for now who will help those kids for the longer term.
1: Robbie, I know you support uh, Mikel Arteta. You want him to have more time, so answer mm. me this. Are they in a better position today than they were this time two years ago under Unai Emery?
4: No, but it takes time. It's been an absolute mess, agreed, but what a big job! We said it. We sat here and said it so many times before. This is a huge job. He's right in the middle of a messy job, and you can argue about some of the signings before. Absolutely right. The bad decisions of experienced players and Willian and, and others that signed at the football club. He's trying to address it. Him and Edu. Now it's on them. I just feel like let's see this new look team play a little bit you know, you before get, we get
3: rid of him. You Don't get time. the fans in the stadium.
4: Now. Well, you don't get time well to- so in the middle of a of a, of a transitional period at the club that's unprecedented. I just want to see like. Just just like a little bit more time to okay. see some of these players play.
1: Pretty much a not very busy summer window. Let's take you back to West London. The window, as I say, is shut now, but we do expect some confirmation of a few other deals. Um, David, let's talk about Liverpool. Very quiet, got under the radar, but extended a lot of contracts. So a different kind of summer at this club.
5: Rebecca, I think for Liverpool, it was to have is to hold. They wanted to nurture the players they've got at their disposal now and make sure that they've got them for the long run instead of just dipping into the market when they didn't feel the players were really there or needed. So the likes of Virgil van Dijk, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Alisson and today Jordan Henderson, a story I broke and that is great news for Liverpool. Now... The person overseeing all of this has been Michael Edwards, their sporting director, and I revealed in my Monday column that he could well be leaving the club at the end of his contract next summer. That would be a seismic moment for Liverpool Football Club, given that he's overseen the Champions League triumph in 2019, the first Premier League title for 30 years, 12 months later. Um, The talks are ongoing. It's not a final decision yet, but watch this space on that. And in the meantime, Jurgen Klopp, doesn't he look refreshed from what I know? He had a really tough year, the pandemic, losing his mother, not being able to travel back to Germany, the stresses of a title defence that didn't go to plan, but he is now reinvigorated and he's going for this title and I wouldn't bet against Liverpool doing it. OK, they've got strong opposition, but they look really strong. Will they renew one more player, Mohamed Salah? That's really one to watch, but what Liverpool are doing, I really like.
1: Thank you, David. Well, they've renewed pretty much everybody else. If you look down the list, we've got Trent is there until 2025, same as Jordan Henderson, which happened, Nat Phillips, Virgil van Dijk, importantly, Fabinho as well, Andy Robertson, Reese Williams, who they sent out on loan today, and Alison. I mean, some real key figures there, Robbie Musto. He looks reinvigorated, as David says, does, does Jurgen Klopp. And so does the squad.
4: Yes, it does. I mean, I would disagree a little bit. I still think if you're a Liverpool fan, you're a little bit underwhelmed by that. This is all great news. Mo Salah, it's really, really important to try and extend his contract. But I still think, again, given other teams and how they've strengthened that they might have brought somebody else in from Kanate as well. So, of course, like we've watched Liverpool, they look great. Van Dijk looks really, really good. So does Matip. Trent Alexander looks good as well. The front players look good. Diogo Jota is going to bring gold, which is great competition for Roberto Firmino. I just... I don't know. I just think Liverpool fans would have liked to see a little bit more activity in the window.
1: Diego Jota was injured for a lot of last season, and he is now looking good already, just as mm. he did when he first burst onto the mm. scene with Liverpool. Harvey Elliott, who's won, I think, a couple of mm. man-in-the-matches yes. so far, 18 mm. years old, has slotted in nicely. So, you know, if you're trying to look at the positive, mm. it does almost appear like not only they extended deals, they've almost mm. got some new signings, it feels like.
3: Right there, I have it written down. New signings. Jota, Van Dijk, Alexander-Arnold. Mm. Mm. Jota's a starter now. For me, I think he's, he's the out-and-out out number nine for them. Van Dyke, could he be back to his best? The knee looks good. He covers everything. He's the best defender in the world. And the reason Alexander-Arnold is as good as he is is because Van Dyke is mm-hmm. there. He wasn't there last year. He got exposed. Any mistake he makes, Van Dyke sweeps it up. Simple as that. And, oh, by the way, as David said, they have, they have Klopp. Klopp's brilliant. Liverpool played different than any other team in the league. Yes, I think the midfield... I think Milner's gotten a little bit older. Van Alden's gone out the door. They haven't replaced that. So, if there's an Achilles heel with the way that they play, it will be in the midfield. But Mm -hmm. this team looks good.
2: I would love goals from midfield. I think the front four now is competitive enough. I'd love goals from midfield. But I take the point that Tim made fit players back for Liverpool are like new players. Mm -hmm. And almost new players that you know can play in this league. There's other new players who come. We still don't know, you know, Timo Werner, is he good enough for the Premier League? Is he going to score goals? We know what Liverpool players can do. It's interesting, David, made a really good point about the refreshed Jurgen Klopp. We've seen the smile, the, the mojo back. It, it looks like the vibe's coming back. And I just get the sense with this guy that he's looked at the other three clubs. He looks at Man City, Manchester United and Chelsea with their money, with the war chasing going... We can do it. You can do it a different way. You can do it with the players you've got. You can do it with spirit. We can pull together. I don't think he goes into the season in any way feeling inferior. If Liverpool are at their best with this squad, they can win the title. And that's the big if. If they can go again, can they reach
4: those extraordinary levels of a few seasons ago? And that's going to be the question, Rob, isn't it? Whether mm. Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, Femina, are they all ready to kick on and give what, it, what you need to give
2: to win a Premier League title with the, the marathon that it is? That's kind of the big question. And I think it's a year for managers. When I look at the managers, like Pep's not going to have a number nine ollie has got the toolbox, but we don't know if he knows which tools to, to, to use. Uh, and Tuchel, we, we've seen, looks like he's won the Champions League, now can he do it a 38-game season? Klopp's done it once, and there's no... no um, for me, I still think he's got a chance of doing it again.
1: Nowhere... Tim Howard on this graphic. Mm. Have we seen Jesse Lingard? Mm. And I think we all thought that it would make sense yeah. for all parties if David Moyes brought him back. Why do you think yeah. that's not happened? No,
3: it's a surprise. I thought at the end of the last season, I thought this is great. This is exactly what he needed: a new lease on his career. Get out of Manchester United. Go to a nice, good football club, big football club, at West Ham. Maybe the fee was too high. Maybe Manchester United didn't think he was surplus requirements. Still wanted to keep him. Um, look, I-, I love again. I want to talk about news. This is almost like keeping Declan Rice feels like when Villa kept Jack Grealish a, a season ago we just think okay thank goodness he didn't leave because he's such a he's such a key cog for them look I, I i like the the look of this team they finished sixth last year they're going really well at the moment you know if they can finish they have Europe so that's going to obviously you know hurt them it's going it's going to test their squad if they can go sixth again under David Moyes i think it's a, i think it's a, a, a real real coup
1: can they
2: um Europe's going to be a, a challenge. Um, and before today, I was a little bit worried, Rebecca, they didn't have enough bodies in. that They might have David Moyes have to look at the season and go, do I go strong in Europe or do I go strong in the league? Some of these players now, Vlacic is a, is a good player, experienced midfield player who can play in mid- midfield. Kral, Czech Republic, who will know Suchak and Sufal. I'm sure there's been some information that's been passed there. He's a holding midfield player, looks a bit like David Luiz, is athletic, can get around the pitch. So he's starting to get some numbers where he can go, you know, Reasonably strong in the Premier League and still stay reasonably strong in Europe. And the big thing that the, for David Moyes, and, and as I was looking through my notes, is I kind of feel with David Moyes like he stands by the gate of West Ham like a bouncer and like you're not coming in unless you've got a good personality. Mm. Because He's built a squad now that's not just about the football, but you see more than that, the work rate, the effort. There's no passengers, there's nobody who gets a free ride. And I think it's important with the kind of players he's bringing, maybe not as many as West Ham fans would like, but the right kind of players that he knows. You know what he's like in the dressing room, Tim. It's important that he gets the right kind of people in in that locker
3: room.
1: Are, Are you surprised at how well they've done?
3: A little bit, but but ha- having spoken to David Moyes, he feels settled finally. For the first time since he left Everton, mm. he actually feels settled in the second spell. He knows the team actually looks like his type of team and he's got the backing of the board. By the way, the, the players he, he's bringing in, he hasn't made many mistakes. With team no. that did, that he, that, that's kind of how he, he always yeah. started. He had to he had to he sell to, to buy and get the right 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 players in. Look, I think this team looks good. I like Kurt Zuma as well. Yeah, it's good business. Really look, it? looks good defensively. I thought they were strong, but that, that bolsters them. And, and look... Fornals and, and Antonio have been brilliant this season. Brilliant, I mean. Antonio's almost a makeshift striker. He yeah. does brilliantly yeah. for him. Would you not think he would still need one or, or not? I, I think he's done so well that he actually thinks he thought he could spend in other areas. Yeah.
1: And Vlasic hopefully will bring goals mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, OK, let's, uh, let's go back to David Ornstein, shall we, and uh, get the background to the Jesse Lingard story because it's interesting we were just saying here, David, it just looks perfect for all parties, but it's not happened.
5: It's a shame. It's a real shame, Rebecca, because that was one they really wanted. Many of us as neutrals, having seen what Jesse Lingard did at West Ham in the second half of last season, spectacular, wanted as well. But Manchester United didn't. And I've got to say that Manchester United see Jesse Lingard not only as part of their present, but their long-term future, perhaps even beyond his career, because he is part of the fabric. He's come through the academy. He's a Manchester local boy. And and they were never going to be easy to deal with in that sense. I think he's only got a year left on his contract. So I think their focus will be to try and renew him, even if he's going to leave in January or next summer. They'll want him to do that. I'm not sure... He will renew that contract. That one is one we need to investigate a little bit more. And West Ham are left without that creative spark. Now, the boys there have talked about, you know, uh, Vlasic and Kral. Uh, Of course, Zuma came in at the back as well. They've retained Declan Rice, who was subject to a lot of speculation, maybe earlier on in the window, not so much recently. But the one thing I've got to say here is that David Moyes is gaining more and more power at West Ham. He is essentially the technical director. They do have a new head of recruitment coming in, in Rob Newman, who had previously worked at Manchester City. He's very highly regarded. But David Moyes holds the keys, which is unusual at West Ham because they've got such powerful owners in David Sullivan and David Gold and Karen Brady in the hierarchy as well. So it's all on David Moyes' shoulders. It seems to be going well so far. He's even complaining at the quality of the pitch and so they're going to need to sort that out. This is the project he wanted but now he needs to deliver in both the domestic and European competition. Money is tight, they're subject to takeover interest but this is a very fascinating project.
1: It certainly is and it's a project that's starting to look a little bit like it did when he was at Everton when Tim Howard was there. Let's talk about Everton, Moyes' old club. Good signing. Some interesting. Damari Gray has really done well so far this season. We heard Sabaladai say he's been the star of the season so far. Salomon Rondon, we mentioned, has come in from a Chinese club on a free transfer. That's happened today. Former Newcastle uh, and West Brom striker who now is reunited with Rafael Benitez. So we're going to talk about Rafael Benitez and Everton in just a second. I just want to let Chelsea fans know um, that this Saul deal is still not done. Kavis Solical, the Sky reporter who's been covering this, he said that it's still a Paperwork should be, will be, he says, uploaded in time, despite what's feeling like a late scare. So Chelsea fans, you should get a signing. I think that everyone would would, would say it's a very good signing for Atletico Madrid um, on loan with an option to buy in the midfield. Um, Robbie, Rafa Benitez, the Mm. effect of Rafa Benitez at Everton. How are you rating it so far?
4: Well, I'm rating it based on the performances, based on his style of coaching, and that's what he's done. And it looks great. Simplified football, two players up front, said it a few times, get the ball wide. They've got two good centre forwards in Richarlison and Dominic and that are looking great. Carvalhoen is an injury right now. So he's, he's kind of simplified things. This window, they have signed five players for free and mm. one's two million dollars to Murray Gray, which looks like a mm. brilliant bit of business so far. It's a long season. We've seen him before in the league, but he looks great. So it seems to me it's like Rafa Benitez is taking a look. He's taking a look to see what he's got with the style of play that he wants to impart on this team and what he might need for the future. He is not They've got money at that football club, we know that. But he's like, you know what, I, I, I'm not ready for it yet. I need to know more about the players that I've got right now, given the way that I want to play. And in subsequent windows, I expect them to, to spend money. We know that Rafa Benitez wants and expects to be backed in that market. It's just not a great surprise that he's like, OK, let's just figure out what i have got and then we'll see for the future.
1: Tim, I know it's tough with an Everton manager that used to be the Liverpool manager. Mm-hmm. So how long do you think it will take and what needs to happen for those Everton fans to be totally one over? Because they're
3: not. Uh, well, I don't think they're won over. And, and, and you know, with the, with the new ownership, we've seen the turnover of managers uh, over the last four or five seasons. So you just wonder that, you know, look, the Everton fans will get restless if things don't go well. My, my, my concern for Everton is, is the squad depth. You know, they're, they're perfect example. They, they bring in Rondon on a free transfer. OK, not incredibly prolific. I think Everton's a, a really solid team. Their first 11 or 12 players. If they get injured, Dominic Calvert-Lewin injured three goals in his first three games. Now what? Where, the, where does the production come from after that starting 11? That's going to be the issue. And look, the other, the other thing is James. James Rodriguez came there to get, get, get a bit of football, play for Angelotti, who he knows – He's not a Rafa Benitez player. He's a luxury player. So he's thought the football club, by the way. Training with first-team reserves, that's going to be a problem.
1: It is a problem because he's costing a lot of money yeah. and Rafa's made it perfectly clear <laughs> that he doesn't want him at the club, but they haven't managed to get him out. No. That can, be a, can that be a tough situation when you have a big, big player like that?
4: Yeah, it really can. I mean, the wages you're paying him as well and the football from last season couldn't be any different exotic Everton last year. Remember, we talked about it at the start of the season. They made so many good signings, it looked really, really great, and it went to not much at all under Carlo Ancelotti. So, very different now. We've seen this before with different clubs that go in a different, different direction, but James Rodriguez... Brilliant talent, but this is not the team for him right now, and it's just one of those things that it looks like they're going to be stuck with him for a little while.
1: He showed flashes, didn't he? He showed flashes, flashes yeah, of, of genius yeah. last season, but just absolutely, you say, not yeah. the club that he wants to be at. The clubs don't want him either. Our next two clubs, Yves uh, Basuma's Brighton. They've hung on to him, crucially, and James Madison needs a better season this than he had last with Leicester City. Brighton and Leicester fans, listen up. That's next.